0: Hi friends, welcome to In the Audience. On this episode, I get to interview my longtime friend and mentor, Cindy Carey. She is a counselor at Northeastern Junior College in Sterling, Colorado. And she is just so full of wisdom and knowledge about so many things. Cindy sees the world through a faith perspective and she will share that more with you in this episode. Cindy also shares really vulnerably about a season of her life where she believed that suicide was her only option and i want to give you that knowledge ahead of time in case that's something that you find yourself struggling with to know that that's coming and feel free friends to not listen to this episode if if that could be a potential struggle for you so other than that i hope that you enjoy this conversation we talk about a lot of different things so let me know what you think and welcome to in the audience okay Cindy, thank you so much for being my first guest for In the Audience. I'm so glad you're here.
1: I'm so glad to be here. It was quite an honor to be asked to be your first guest.
0: So, Cindy, the the whole premise and why I wanted you as my first podcast guest is because for periods of my life, getting to sit under your leadership has been a huge honor for for me, and I've learned so much from you. I think that my friends and people who listen have a lot to learn, and they can hear really sweet things from you. So take it away. Let us know how you got into the field.
1: Well, okay. How I got in the field was, uh, it's going to go way back. I grew up in a home that was, we knew about Christ you went to church, but, but there wasn't a lot more there, and when I got to college, there were just a bunch of things happening in my home life with my family that was just going crazy, um, and so I, I was just got to the point quite literally where I went, there's either a God or there isn't a God, mm-hmm. and if there isn't a God, there is really no point in life. Because if, if I've taught worldviews, so I'll throw the worldviews out. A lot of people will go um, existential in, mm-hmm. in their worldview. Really, to me, that's a cop out. The mm-hmm. the the only two viable ones are there is a God, and there is a way to connect with this God, or there's nihilism. There's no point to anything, mm-hmm. and that all came about one night, and and this is just a fun story. It, that's a strange way to describe it, but it's it's a great way to see God's sense of humor sometimes and his care because this all hit a point where I was, I was staying with some friends. I was couch surfing it'd be the terminology for this day and age. And it was the middle of the night and I got up to use the restroom and I sat in there and it just all hit me. I, I tried to reach out to God who I thought was there and, and there was nothing, there was nothing. It was like, it was like my prayer just went out into the middle of nowhere and nobody was ever going to hear it. And there was no point in any of it. And in that moment's time, I went, there's no point in living. So how am I going to kill myself? So I had to figure out how to do this. And I, and I actually came up with a plan But by the time I came up with a plan, which by the way, now I can look back on and go, "Whoo, okay. I had a plan, it was lethal, it had a time, it had a place, everything you look for when somebody says you're suicidal. Um, And I had all that in place and I realized there wasn't enough time, or there potentially wasn't enough time that night. Mm -hmm. Because by the time I carried it out, somebody could still easily find me. Um, So I went, okay. I'll tuck that away. And then the next day I woke up and I went, you know, I probably better make sure there's no God before I go through with this because that would really throw a monkey wrench into this if there happened to be a God, It's like, oops. Um, And in that process, I looked in a lot of different places. Uh, I looked in the Mormon church. I looked in, I just looked a lot of places and God in his kindness and his love for me just led me through had me keep looking had me keep searching and took me to a church where i heard the gospel um allowed me to become a believer i was in college at this time and when that happened i was like well hmm two things were going on with college one is i'd gone into it thinking i was going to be a veterinarian so i was taking chemistry and i was taking pre-calc and calc and i was taking all these pre-vet courses and going, I hate my life. Mm-hmm. These are horrible. I don't, I'm not enjoying any of these. These are, I mean, I'm really drowning in these classes. I don't like them that much. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started looking at it from a Christian perspective and going, what does God want me to do? Mm-hmm. And started searching, went through some, some things, ended up as a starting junior, so very late in the process, Mm -hmm. as a junior, um, going to the counseling, well, sort of the counseling center there, and saying, I don't know what I want to be when I grow up, what do I do, because you guys are going to kick me out in a year and a half, (laughs) and Mm -hmm. it would be nice to have a degree, you know, (laughs) Um, (laughs) so they gave me some assessments, and I'm looking through the assessments, and you know, like the number one thing on it was, be a manager of a, a YMCA. And I went, that sounds horrible to me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, No, there is nothing about this that speaks to me. Mm-hmm. And so I just kept looking down the list and about 10 down it said social worker. And I went, what is this thing? And did some research and thought, I can get behind this mm-hmm. because one of the things that I really, really, that one of the things that struck me in the middle of that whole crisis of faith that brought me to Christ was uh, if you go through stuff, the whole nihilistic p- point of view is, you know, what's the point? What's the point? If you go through bad times, well, okay, that's a throw of the dice. If you go through good times, those aren't going to last. You're going to hit bad times. somebody's going through a bad time, what do you tell them? How do you how do you say? I went through a bad time too, and you know, I don't know. By throw of a dice, I'm now in a good time. Yay, yay me! Throw some dice, see what happens for you. Um, And what I saw in the Bible was the first that Paul's lovely verse with his grammar, where he says, um, basically, I can comfort with the comfort I've been comforted with. Mm -hmm. And I went that that resonates. Mm -hmm. I have gone through some things. I can comfort with the comfort that I've been given. And so I I went into social work and when I got into social work, I was like, you know, I don't know, I'll go be a missionary and social worker. I I don't know how this works. Um, (laughs) So eventually where that came out is, I worked some different jobs in some different places. I worked in a Christian adoption agency. I worked in an alternative high school setting. I worked in some different places. We ended up moving to Sterling when my oldest, Kyle, who is the father of the new grandbaby, um, (laughs) (laughs) when my oldest was about a year and a half and I was just pregnant with my second child. And when we came to Sterling, it worked out that I could stay at home. So I stayed at home and I got to stay at home. I was blessed in being able to stay at home for 10 years. Mm-hmm. When my youngest was going into kindergarten, a position opened up at NJC and it was for a counselor. And mm-hmm. so I applied and I got the job and um, I was probably in over my head, but didn't realize it mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and just started working. Now, part of the reason that I, I went for uh, a job at NJC, the our, our local small community college is um, first off everything that that brought me to Christ happened as a college student and as a college student I realized there's so many changes that happen in your life in those years there's yeah. so much change that goes on and there's so many that come in so lost mm-hmm. and and it's a time of great change because you're coming in and you're bringing in everything you were raised with and you're having to figure out what if this is true of me? What if this am I just doing because I don't know any different? Yeah. Um, how how do I, you know, how do I decide what is mine and yeah. and kind of go forward with that? Yeah. So the thought of working in a college was absolutely perfect. And yeah, so now I've been there 17 years and... <laughs> That's the rest of the story.
0: <laughs> wow, that is dynamic. That the history and the thread to get you to that space of being being at NJC Northeastern Junior College now and just the impact over 17 years that I'm sure that you've had and I trust that you've had because it's happened in my own life as well. And I think part of your story for people that I know who will listen to this, part of your story really does resonate with them. My, I have a lot of close friends who have kind of gone through the process, especially if they're my faith filled friends who are Christian, um, that they've gone through that process of trying to understand who God is and why God made them. And then I have friends who, um, who really do struggle with self-harm and who struggle with suicidal thoughts, right? So there's a lot of things that I think your story really hits on. So if you don't mind, I'd love to just know, especially now, I think as like now in light of COVID and how the stress of everyone has changed, I guess how you have used your life experience um, and really like glorified the Lord with your story through helping college students walking in that, and now during COVID, I mean, has COVID also shifted that a little bit for you and the stress that you're seeing in, in students at all?
1: Um, yeah, in some ways, I think it has. Um, so so one of the things that I try to do is come from a more strength-based, more positive approach. Mm-hmm. And, and there's a, a man out there by the name of Tim Elmore, who does Growing Leaders, and he just has a lot of books and things out. He has a lot of stuff on Gen Z, and mm-hmm. he does the same thing. Um, so I've really been reading a lot of his stuff because he will come at it and say, here are the positives that can come out of students that have dealt with all the, all the reactions, all the stuff that has come out of COVID. Here's some of the positive. Here's, here's ways that you, we can be more resilient and grow from this experience and not just be crushed by it. Yeah. Uh, but yes, I absolutely think, I think for the entire world, um, we just have this chronic level of stress going on right now. Mm-hmm. you have tons of stress you have a lot of isolation you have just just a lot of dynamics that have been going on people are really short tempered um, mm-hmm. there's lots of anger um, a- and that's coming out of months and months and months of life is just not the same yeah. there's n- there's no normal I mean everybody talks about this new normal but really people like ruts. <laughs> people do really well with schedules. And, and reps aren't always positive, but they're not always negative. Yeah, mm-hmm. You, know, you, you um, I went to Japan as a college student for, for a summer, and one of the things they really did a lot of work with us before we went was talking about cross-cultural um, shock. You know, when yeah. you go to another culture and the shock you feel. And mm-hmm. I was so prepared that I actually had more shock coming home <laughs> than I had going yeah but one of the things one of the pieces with cross-cultural shock is you can't take anything for granted you yeah. you walk up to a store to, a, a door to a grocery store and there's a black mat in front of it well in our culture that means you step on the mat and the door opens That yeah. may or may not happen in a culture you're in you may just run into the door and then you're like what just happened so yeah. you can't take you can't take any of our shortcuts and any of the things for granted that we tend to do. Um, what happens then is you're, you get really tired. You get really tired, and you get cranky after a while. That's kind of what's happening to the whole world right now. Hmm. You know, everything we've taken for granted, we can't. We, we get conflicting messages. Wear masks, don't wear masks. Go out and work, but don't go out and work unless you have to go out and work, in which case you have to go out, but don't do it. But you, know, you just have yeah. all these conflicting messages. Yeah. Wow, what do you do with that? Yep. Now, for college students, you add on to that, especially incoming freshmen. Mm-hmm. in our culture, your senior year is is a is a real stepping point. It's like you now have become an adult. you get to go through this whole senior year of your 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 games, your um, prom your last homecoming, you're just all these things. And it's the last one, the last one, the last one, you graduate. Now you're a young adult. None of that happened. mm -hmm. (laughs) Everything in that spring was taken away. There weren't proms. There weren't, you know, whole seasons were taken away from athletes. Um, Graduation was taken away from everybody. Or if it did happen, it happened in a really different way. Yeah. Which. At least it happened in a really cool, different way. It's not like everyone else's, but it's not the same. Mm -hmm. And then young adults, I do parent orientation at our college, and we talk about... um, Kind of the process that happens as you hit that summer because at first as a parent you're just like crying over everything it's the last prom it's the last theater production it's yeah. the last you know and then you graduate oh a graduation mm-hmm. and then you hit the summer and you just start going this kid is driving me crazy
0: <laughs>
1: and and when i talk to parents they're teary-eyed in april and may and by July and August they're, yeah, you know, I just want to kick them out. Are you sure we can't drop them off today? <laughs> and, and that is, that, that's, I think God causes it to be that way because we never let our kids go otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, that right. also means students and parents are getting on each other's nerves. And the problem with that is now you're in COVID. You're stuck with each other,
0: right?
1: Yeah, you know, it's supposed to be a time where you're learning to separate and and become independent, and now you're thrown together more than ever.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, so that was another you know thing that happened. On top of that, then when they do finally get to come, it's not a normal because there is no normal anymore. It's not what they their expectations were for coming to college. Yeah. Think about your expectations when you went to college and then think about us telling you, okay, you have to have social distancing in everything you do. All your classes are going to be half the size. Everybody's got to wear masks all the time. Um, you know, Don't get together closely for anything ever. Mm. Um, it's very different.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: And now I forget. Oh, so one of the things we do know is over the last few years, anxiety, depression, mental health issues in general have been rising in college students. Right. Um, for a million reasons, I could just you know go on forever about why that's probably happening, but that's a fact. It has been happening that way. Now you take that and lay it on top of the layers of COVID and on top of the layers of of unrest in our country and people rioting in large cities and um, a very contentious presidential election with people yelling at each other constantly all over the place. That's a sort of underlying chronic stress that's going on. Now you take rising levels of anxiety and loneliness and depression, and you add that into them and you've just turbocharged everything.
0: Right. So you're seeing it what I'm hearing you say, Cindy, is that you're seeing the rise. And even with the, the freshman that came in, you have kind of had to maybe shift or adjust even how you're maybe addressing, especially the freshman class who's coming off that tail end of high school graduation. For some, right, some people right. Um, did other things in avenues to get to college, but for the traditional student who has gone in, they've, they've just lost a lot. So in that process, I've I hear that there's grieving that has to happen for these students that that maybe they've addressed it and maybe they haven't. But I just know that even when I went to college in my first year, you were just listing out those expectations of social distancing all the time, wearing masks all the time. And, and even before our call, Cindy, you are mentioning that they've actually adjusted pretty well and they the students want, will get together no matter what, but that they are adhering to the rules for the most part really well. Um, And I know that when I started college in 2012, I was so ready to just be with people all the time. And I had all those things. I had prom. I had graduation. I was very fortunate to have all those things. But it really puts it into perspective, I think, when you're asking those questions. So your approach, how have you seen, can you give a couple words on the resiliency of this new age of students, essentially, that have started in 2020 like a couple of words about their resiliency that maybe you're starting to see now that, um, I mean, you started seeing them in over the summer, maybe for college visit days or how'd that
1: work? No, because everything was shut down. even currently my office is staffed at 50% on any given day. So that means we are working from home part of the week. We are maybe in other offices and other parts of the building for part of the week. Um, there's still a lot of those things in place. Right. So that impacts that. Right. Um, in fact, one of the things that I'm, I'm seeing is on the struggle side, students didn't get the same kind of orientation. Right. Um, so because you couldn't get together in large groups and because the college was actually closed down till
0: mm-hmm.
1: I want to say partway into August. Um, wow. So, yeah, a very different start to the year. However, in spite of that, what I am seeing students doing is I'm seeing them participating. I'm seeing them engaging. I am seeing them asking questions. Mm -hmm. Uh, We had a few years where it was like, please, please just ask questions. We don't expect you to know it all. We want you to ask questions. And this year they are. Um, So Mm -hmm. one of the positives that come out of the abnormal is those kinds of things. Um, That gives me real hope that they're going to have a growth mindset. That gives me real hope that, you know, this is going to be stuff. One of the things I think that has caused a rise in mental health issues previous to everything this year has been students who have never had to fail. and and this isn't true 100% across the board. Yeah, I, I get that. But for the most part, have never had to fail at something and deal with those consequences, or have never had to really, either they've had to overcome so much that you're in shock that they're doing as well as they are and are in college, or they've had to overcome nothing. And both of those are kind of overwhelming. So you're, you're, You have students that just sort of say, uh, okay, I don't know how to do life. I don't know adulting 101 because I've never had to do it. Um, I think this year, while there's going to be a negative side with super overwhelming, I think on the positive side, students have had to step up and take on more. I mean, everybody has had to face the reality of a global pandemic. and the reactions or the the possible implications of that. And so students have had to step up, I think, also probably in many, many homes, again, not all, in many homes, when you have two or three kids trying to finish high school or K-12 school on one or two maybe family computers, and mom and dad working from home, and it very possibly, and a positive side has become more of a, we need everybody jumping in and working together to make this work,
0: mm.
1: which then puts more responsibility on, which then allows students to come in going, okay, I do know how to do some things, and what I don't know, I can ask about.
0: Hmm. Yeah, you mentioned just the aspect of them not having the opportunity, or not taking the opportunity to fail. If you could speak to a room full of, I think, young 20-somethings, and who are really making their way in the world what would you say about failing well and what that looks like i think
1: in america we have made it almost the unforgivable sin to fail
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that's really foolish mm-hmm. because that's how we grow mm-hmm. so typically out of the biggest failures come some of the biggest successes mm-hmm. and all you have to do is, is go on um, youtube or google you know biggest failures and you'll hear people like michael jordan who okay i know other people with basketball have other favorites but i think he's one of, he's a, he's definitely one of the greatest if not yes. in my opinion the greatest <laughs> basketball player um and you listen to him and he will talk about all the failures he hit in his life even in the middle of the i mean even when he's on the team even when he was a, a professional basketball player he'll say I didn't make the game-winning shot, or I didn't make the free throw 975 million times. But we don't remember that. We remember the, remember when he made that shot and it won the game? So everybody tends to look at that. I think the other thing for 20-somethings, if you could read a book, and talks about how people need to have roughly 10,000 hours in before they're really proficient at something. And so it talks, it gives example after example, it talks about the Beatles and how they went to Berlin and they sang at these nasty little clubs in the middle of nowhere. And they literally every single night for six to eight to 10 hours played. And then when they burst on the scene, everybody said, whoa, the Beatles came out of nowhere. No, Mm -hmm. they put in 10,000 hours before they they hit big. And Mm -hmm. I look at my own life and go, you know, I had the heart, I had the passion, I had the zeal in college as a young 20 something of wanting to help people, but I didn't get decent as a counselor till probably here in the last few years. Um, And even now, I mean, I I say decent because there's always room for improvement and there's all, but again, it would be, yeah, that would make sense because that's probably about 10,000 hours of counseling time before you go, oh, I'm starting to click. I'm starting to pick up on things. I'm starting to see when people give you little hints to say something. So when you're in your twenties and you're saying, I need to be the expert and I need to be perfect. You're asking an impossible goal of yourself. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And what we need to do is we need to, to, if you're a believer, you live in grace in this, you just fall back on God constantly and say, okay, what is it you want me to learn from here? I had somebody, I had, uh, it was in something I read recently in a devotional I had fairly recently, and it said, we tend to, when we go through hard times, we tend to want to ask God why, Mm -hmm. and I know from the Bible, he doesn't really like answering why, if you read the book of Job, he never answers why, (laughs) Job asks him why, and he never gives him a why answer, Mm -hmm. and this, this devotional said, what we need to ask is how, Mm -hmm how do I get through this? How do I learn from this? How do I take from this, what you want me to have? So I am prepared for where you want me to go.
0: That's good. Cindy, I think you're bringing us back to this, this space, especially for my friends of, of faith, of just reminding us that failure is a part of our story. I hear that resilience can be through failure or roadblock after roadblock after roadblock, or, maybe even unmet expectations after unmet expectation to develop a mindset of grace towards yourself for expectations and going back to this point that you said earlier about when you studied abroad in Japan i know that the the point of like unmet expectations for me was huge when i i studied abroad in costa rica and And I had to go in with this mindset of, I'm not going to expect a whole lot of things, and I'm going to take this experience as it comes. And that season of my life was one of the most growing times, I think, of my entire college career. So I agree with that of our world now. We can't depend on what we used to depend on. I think I just have like two more questions I'd love for you to just speak on for, I think, the general population, but I just trust your wisdom so much. (laughs) So as you look back now, what would you say to those who are running the race right behind you and whether they know God or don't know God, how would you, I mean, encourage them?
1: I would say a couple of things. One is you you kind of hit on this earlier expectations, Mm -hmm. Um, where we tend to fall on our face is when we have unrealistic expectations or when we have expectations that maybe they are realistic, but they weren't met just very intentionally kind of look at things and go what are my expectations for this Mm -hmm. and how can I temper them because what I do know is when I go in with really low expectations which sounds really bad but if I go in just kind of going Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter what the outcome is then whatever the outcome is tends to be very positive if I go in thinking it's got to be perfect it will fall short Another thing that I would strongly tell people to do is uh, there, there's a book out there called A Thousand Gifts by Ann Voskamp. She has hit on something real. And it is true, whether, whether you're a faith believer or not, it is, it is just a reality on the human psyche and mind. And that is, if we count our blessings, if we list out the positive things, what we're training our brain to do when we do that, is to look for the positives and when you train your brain to look for the positives, there's so many, they, they have actually done studies and there are so many health benefits, mm. I, just tons of health benefits. Just, I mean, you name it, it probably falls under this as a health benefit. Uh, and it's, we tend to look at things, especially in this day and age, especially in this year where we can get really cynical and we can get really down and we can get really negative and we can just kind of go eh, 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 nothing will ever be good again mm-hmm. and and that doesn't help anything i mean that just that just gets us stuck um so i would say those two things yeah the other thing that i would say is we need to give ourselves and give others grace and space grace and space
0: grace and space I like
1: that. just you know that that the more all of us can give each other grace and space the more positive
0: yeah it gives people permission to be human grace and space sound like they're just so freeing to people to be able to feel and be what they need to feel and be in that season i think of life that we are all of us are living in cohesively with covid i would love to know before i ask you our final question Mm -hmm. in in what ways have you surprised yourself? For me, I think probably something that I have seen growth
1: in and I've been happy in and I've been surprised about is one of the things when you first start in counseling that's really hard to do is you want to you want to fix stuff. You want okay. to help people. And so you want to just jump in with, here's the fix for that. Mm-hmm. So somebody says something and before they've even finished, you're already thinking about, here's the five things you need to do. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the things that I've seen huge improvement in over the years is the ability to just to shut up and hear people's stories. Mm. And that has been, that has made my job so amazing. Um, You know, one of the things I typically tell people is I've got the best job on campus. That's what makes it the best job on campus, hearing people's stories Mm -hmm. and then learning not to give them the answers, but to give them just some guidance and to try this path. Mm -hmm. Look at these things, because really in the end, it doesn't matter what I think the answers are. And it doesn't, I'm not going to be sitting on their shoulder like Jiminy Cricket saying, turn left here, turn right here. Don't do that. Uh, they're going to make choices, and I want people to make the healthiest choices for themselves. Yeah. Yeah, I want, I want people to find joy in their lives, and I want them to feel just the peace and the joy that comes with living your life in such a way that you're like, I, I don't have regrets. Mm.
0: Yeah. And, and you can't tell them that they have to get there on their own and they have to fail on their way. There's so many things that are getting wrapped up into, into that, that answer. And I, so I just hear and appreciate your, your knowledge and your wisdom so much in this, because I know um, you and Brent have just been incredible in my life as incredible figures to, to know. I know you're not perfect. Thank you for (laughs) that. But I love hearing that. I love hearing your heart for students and how how you got there in spite of a really hard story with some pretty um, deep valleys or dark valleys, I would say, to get you to this space. Not, and not every space is a mountaintop high. I get it. Right. And I've tempered my expectation. But final question, who in your life, like the everyday person, have you just been watching for the past couple of years and would say that you're like in the audience of?
1: Oh, wow. There's so many. When I was a college student, um, there was a man and his wife, Bob and and Ruth Mann, uh, who were amazing, amazing individuals in my life. Um, they have both passed, Bob just recently, and the world is a poor place without them. They understood hospitality to a degree that I rarely see. Uh, definitely not to a degree that I do. They just had open, welcoming hearts. Um, one of the things that was that I. One of my Bob Mann stories that I tell all the time is as a young Christian, he asked us to take, uh, he and his wife and his college age son and me at college were taking a group of high schoolers, junior high, high schoolers, and we were going on a backpack trip. He and I were standing at the back of a truck and we were preparing, we're pulling stuff together for the packs and stuff. And we were just talking about this coming up week and sharing just thoughts about, you know, what might be concerns, what might be really great things that came out of this. And, you know, and I'm thinking, yeah, we should probably, you know, these are good prayer requests. And I'm thinking in my mind, prayer requests later when I talk to God, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: he just started talking to God. And all of a sudden there were three of us in the conversation and it was just such Mm
0: -hmm.
1: a natural transition that I've always held that in awe. It was like, I want that kind of a relationship where God is so much a part of my everyday life that one minute I'm talking to you and one minute I'm talking to you and him.
0: I love that. Well, thank you, Cindy, for your time and for just sharing so intently and deeply. And I'd say even vulnerably or transparently with, with me and about your story. Yeah, just a huge fan of you. So thank you so much for being my first guest.
1: Oh, you are more than welcome. And I didn't even get to say how big of a fan I am of you.
0: Well, friends, there it is. My first interview with Cindy Carey. There will absolutely be another episode later down the road because we found ourselves talking for closer to an hour. So I had to really cut this episode down to reach even at this point, 35 minutes. So thank you so much for joining and for listening in. I truly, truly hope you heard something that really resonated with you and if not I just hope that you enjoyed just hearing that conversation between Cindy and I about her life experience and about counseling and resiliency and COVID and so many different things that we got to cover in the time that we did get to chat so if you have any questions feel free to reach out to me or any feedback I will also list out in the description the books that she actually recommended for people to read or things like that to give you some more visual clarity for that so thanks again friends for tuning in and I will see you back in a couple of weeks.